0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Embracing Your Virtue. I am your host, Samantha Jasmine, and welcome back to our show. For those of you who might be joining for the first time, Embracing Your Virtue is my channel dedicated to women of color in the Christian faith, where we talk about all things related to women that empower them, related to careers, children, faith, etc. So in honor of Women's History Month, I wanted to profile some women that I know who are awesome women who are making a difference in their career in their careers, boss chicks. And with me today is my good friend, Joanna Rouse. Joanna,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for
0: having me. I'm excited to have you. And today we're going to talk about women in technology, in particular, Black women in technology. Um, as you, as everybody knows, technology is the growing field. We can't do anything without technology. So we're going to talk about um, that today and just talk about what it looks like for Black women in that field and how we can empower Black women towards STEM careers. So, Joanna, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your career background and what you're currently doing?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I did go to school um, for marketing. Um, That was what I went to college for. And I started my career um, right out of college in marketing and branding um, partnerships, client relations for a lot of fashion retail companies. um, And I learned a lot. I loved a good sample sale. Um, I worked at Juicy Couture for a while back when they were in their heyday um, and with fashion brands like Burberry, Joe Fresh. And it was great. You know, I learned a lot, um, but it wasn't really fulfilling um, all as as much fu- as fulfilling for a time, but it wasn't really fulfilling um, after a couple of years. So while I was working, I was able to volunteer with organizations like Just for Success that were making an impact. So I got that bug of, wanting to kind of do more um, what I like to do marketing, but doing it for good um, and more like cause marketing. Um, so I knew I wanted to use my marketing skills for something that I was passionate about as well. So I started exploring opportunities for that. Um, and when I had separated from my last retail marketing position and I wasn't working for a time, I was still um, using my skills to, you know, consult and volunteer in small capacities. and. While I was looking, I had a checklist. I was like, I know I want my next company to be diverse. I know I want to be able to make an impact. I want to be able to mentor and feel fulfilled. So those were kind of the top. Things that I was looking for. Um, and nothing really resonated with me. And then I was like, oh, bills are coming. I'm like, I need to find something quick. And um, a family friend, she was working at Empower, the company I currently work for. And she said, hey, there's an open marketing position. Is it something you're interested in? And I never had worked in nonprofit space. It's always been for profit. But I started the interview and things were checking off my list while I was going through the process. And I knew it was God, I was like, this is where I should be. So I started working for them and I, I love it. I really, really love what I do. Um, it's basically a national nonprofit that basically connects veterans and young adults to tech careers. Um, so I do the marketing for them and basically raise awareness for it. So it, it was really just a nice way to combine what I love to do um, as well as making an impact and coming back.
0: That's awesome, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about that. So I love the fact that you didn't necessarily have a STEM background, but in looking at an organization that empowers, uh, you know, young people of color to enter into this lucrative and growing field, you are able to use your your marketing background to still promote this organization, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, And just working at Empower, what have you learned about like the percentage of tech jobs that are occupied by women?
1: Yeah, it's actually really startling and it's really kind of disheartening at times. Um, Women actually make up 26% of technology jobs right now. So women as a whole, right? And so this is according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, but only 3% of them are Black, right? Are Black women. Just three? Three percent. Wow. And then for Latinx or Hispanic women, it's 1%. Wow. Wow. So if you look at that pie of how many technology jobs there are, and then if you think about, you know, I think Microsoft, they released another report recently that there would be about 13 million digital or technology related jobs by 2025. Yeah. Everybody's mouth should drop. Yeah. (laughs) We need to get some of that. (laughs) This is, that's my point. So it's like, there is this big pool there is open jobs. We know the field is growing, especially now with the pandemic and people working from home, right? So we know there's a need. And then there's organizations like Empower that are giving you know, people of color, especially women of color, these skills, these tech skills to find these jobs. Or, uh, and other companies that are doing things like that right or other um, women of color that are researching their own that are going to college for these types of careers so it's like it looks like it would be a match made in heaven but you see that it's discrepancy um, right there of companies that that they're looking for talent but the talent is often right there and it's still not a, you know being being matched so that's a problem
0: Wow yeah so let's talk about why that is why are there so few? women of color, in particular, Black and, and Latina women of color in the tech field?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, a you know, there could be a couple of reasons, um, you know, and, and every kind of situation could be a little different, or um, everybody has kind of a special case. But I think from the work that we're doing at Empower, what I kind of see from the, you know, the trainees that come into our program, and how we go on to place them, and kind of the reporting that we've seen in our process and what we've seen on our end is one personal and personal could be financial obligations right so we had a survey that we took of just our kind of our trainees that have gone through the program and seeing kind of what are some of the top barriers for them that they've self-reported and you see about 66 percent of the women in our program versus 59 percent of the male men basically attribute financial instability or financial lack of financial resources as their top reason why they might, you know, drop out of college or stop the program. Right. Right. So that's huge um, financial resources. Yeah. Yeah. And then caregiving responsibilities is another top one. So for females specifically, that's something that is always a challenge, you know, for them is hey, I'm taking care of, you know, maybe a sick parent or a child. So that also can cause, you know, some issues as well for them to to further their career or further um, in tech as well. So it's kind of just like a balance between surviving their present conditions versus preparing for the future, right? So that's really, that's really a top one that we see.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that makes sense. And women are more likely to be caregivers for sick relatives, we are yeah. more likely to be the ones to stay at home with our kids. That's it. So you know, we are more likely to, you know, our, our uptake is going to is more likely to be slower than our than our male counterparts.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then some other ones are, you know, lack of representation. I think that's a huge, huge one that, you yeah. know, it's starting to get talked about more. Yeah. Um, but we really found, again, in, in just the work that we do every day and what we see and the stories we hear and, you know, because we're kind of a bridge, right? So Empower kind of sits between training our, our for diverse talent and then placing at um, Fortune 500 companies or partners that we work with to place our students. So we kind of see, you know, we kind of sit in the middle. Right. So right. we're working with these corporations to say, hey, you're saying that you want diverse talent, tech talent, and you don't have it, here we are providing for it. But you right. need to know how to work with these diverse populations. So lack of representation, I think, is huge, um, starting in the schools, right? So starting young, right? Because mm-hmm. this is not just a, a, a woman of color. This is starting from a young girl of color. Right. And she grows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so lack of representation, representation in schools, a lot of, um, the trainees or students that we interviewed, they're like, well, you know, none of my math or STEM or science teachers were, they didn't look anything like me.
0: So right.
1: in front of the class, they didn't see anybody that looked like them. And then that translates as they go into college or uh, alternative path like Empower, you know, and, and that's kind of a big thing is we want to have instructors that look the part, right? Like them. So they can right. see some of that representation, but then you get to the workplace and it's there, it's back to that, right? Right. Yeah.
0: So when you were growing up, when you went to school yeah. or when you were just coming up, like, was there like a general knowledge that you've gotten either from school or from your family about like opportunities in STEM? Because I, I feel like for me, other than like being a doctor,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like you can be a doctor or you can be some type of inventor or like you can be like even in math jobs. Like I didn't know of any math jobs outside of like finance and accounting. Yeah. It was like you either did that or you became a math teacher, right? You know, like, there, but there's so many other opportunities for science and technology and, and math and all those other things. But I just had no idea about what those were. I don't know if you had a similar experience.
1: Yeah, that is. It's that's so big. I think um that point. It you know, for me, it was a, it was a little weird. It was a little different how I grew up because I grew up in a you know. Very traditional Christian family, so us our more of the aspirations was like, well, whatever God wants you to do. So that's very, very vague and very wide, you know. So I know some cultures, it's like you need to be a doctor, a lawyer, yes. or a doctor or a lawyer, and that's right. it. <laughs> there was no options, right? Yes. Or you know, I know some of my friends were like, oh, my my dad had a family business, he wanted me to run that, right? So there's different scenarios. For me, I feel like growing up, it was more of you know, you, you, you want to go to college, right? I mean, it wasn't, again, thankfully, I didn't feel like the pressure of you have to go to college, become a doctor. Um, there was something for working and financial stability. So finding a career in that, um, right. but it wasn't really, it was kind of me figuring out my own path and what kind of attracted me. So again, I know that's not everybody's story, but for me, I feel like I almost, the opposite i didn't really have a direction of which one to choose like it wasn't doctor shoved down Mm -hmm. but it wasn't also like creative like it was just yeah just open-ended yeah exactly So (laughs) i don't know if that's the best way but that's how it was for me yeah
0: well at least it wasn't limiting you
1: know Yeah. yeah so i you know even now it's like you know i think that what you also brought up is the options right and then there's the It's not only one thing, and that's something else, too, that a lot of back to the barriers is that a lot of times women of color specifically think that when you say tech, it is only coding or it is only, you know, downloading databases or, you know, some really intense tech position. And it's not Mm -hmm. always like that. Right. Yeah. there's so many things you can do in it. Um, the healthcare, we have a lot of students that come and they want to go into healthcare eventually. Or they, they want to do music engineering. Or they want to do, you know, fashion or, or, you know, social service. Like there's so many outlets. And again, every, tech, every job is a tech job soon because right. it has right. some component of tech skills in there.
0: Right. And I think that's so important to be able to highlight those different type of jobs because for so long, for me, a tech job was I'm either like a coder, like you said, or I'm like an IT help desk. You know, like that was like, and I was like, well, neither of those are pretty interesting to me. You know, like that's it. But that was it. But there's so much more to it. Like, and I I think it's really cool. Like, even just looking at what, like, there's so many different types of engineering. And like, you can do so much with that, you know? Yeah. Or I think about like, um, like I had no idea what an actuary was, right? And mm-hmm. and how that's used until I started working in um, in HR in the benefits section, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, we hire these actuaries to like crunch numbers for us, mm-hmm. to help us to understand like trends in healthcare, yeah. You know, to help us to understand like how much things are going to cost, like how much we should be charging people for medical premiums, all these different type of things. Right. And I was like, man, like your job is to just play with numbers all day. And I used to love math in school. Right. But I just I did not other than like I, I loved math in school. And so I thought finance was the, kind of the next career path for that. Yeah. When You get into college and you study finance. It's less about the actual numbers. It's all about concepts. And I was like, well, this is not the same thing, you know? And I just, I had no exposure to like what actuarial science was or anything else and like where that could go. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. And there's so much out there too, you know?
0: Absolutely. So like, how can we, like, what can parents do to encourage interest in STEM fields for their kids? Like you and I both have girls, you know, Uh how can we from an early age- you know, make this like a norm for them. Um, well, I think just to back up too, I think another kind of barrier is still this like long-lasting stereotype about women and math, right, and math and science fields, and like, like we just don't have the, the brain capability to handle those type of jobs, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that's like a long-lasting stigma, right? And like I hear so many women like instinctively like, Oh, I hate math. I hate math. And I'm, it just makes me wonder like, do you hate it? Like, it's part of the reason why you hate it because you like one probably didn't have good teachers, yes. you know, or two, like you were never encouraged to like it because you're a woman. You
1: but know? that is so I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that. Because I think even the way that it is even marketed, like you know, most of the STEM, like if you think about the STEM toys or or where they're positioned even in stores. Like it really all ties back to that and whether it's conscious or unconscious, but even to the fact, like I remember saying math was my least favorite subject, right? Like I didn't like math, you know, and where does that come from? And even like you said, with my daughter Kai, it's like math is something that we're working through and you know and she loves science but it's like that math and it's just where where does that come from you know and you right. have to work almost so hard to re engineer that narrative or turn it around right like yeah. okay yeah. you might have a challenge but you can get through it right, right? like figuring out a way around it because it's so true I think for kids it, it starts you don't even kind of know where it is but it's like just somewhere that comes that girls especially think that it's Compli- it's complicated or hard. And it's and it's hard because as you grow into your career and in these tech fears, hence the stats, it turns almost into a, a boys club or right. a male dominated field. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just mirrors what is actually happening, you know. Right, so
0: right. it's tough. Yeah. And do you think that it's a male dominated? Do you feel like that stereotype is one of the reasons why more women of color or more women and women of color are not hired into the STEM field? Like, it's just that old boys club thing? For
1: sure. For sure. I think, you know, of course, there's strides that have that are being made and and people are making strides and, and there's women that are breaking through and, you know, you can see all these things happening. But I think overall, it's you it's it's still such. A tight-knit voice club and and the reason I know this is just because our students tell us right so you know it, you might have a student that you know is placed at you know x company right and they're in say engineering or so- software development and they're like I'm the only girl and person of color on my team you know yeah and you know it it can be hard I mean you know we'll probably get to this later but it's hard to stay in that kind of environment and feel like you can thrive you know so it's just it it, it is a boys club I'm saying not to say that it's not being you know strides are not being made but it's still very much um think in Silicon Valley you know Mm -hmm. it's still very much that kind of yeah affinity
0: yeah yeah so like what um let's talk about tech companies right yeah um just from your experience working at at empower like what are tech companies doing or what can they do to make their industry more inclusive for for black women and other women of color
1: yeah for sure i mean this is a big one and um again like even our company has been kind of trying to give the organizations and companies that we work with guides and tools of how to do this work, right? Because we're not saying it's easy, um, but it can be done um, if you're willing to put in the work. So I think one thing is even just the hiring process, and you probably know this <laughs> better than anybody, um, but even from, from, from entry, right? So again, students research too as well, but I know this firsthand from our students and hearing it, I mean, there is things such as name bias, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So sending your resume in, whether it's to a system or actually, you know, to a person, and it's like, they don't, that name, you know, whoever that black person's name or, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's a man or a woman, but just just a person of color and that name they don't recognize or, you know, sometimes the system kind of, takes it out. So there's so many different yeah. um, issues there. There was a study that they had done of you know, two resumes, one with like a maybe a more African-centric name, Afrocentric name versus another, maybe, you know, what they call a regular standard name. And they could see the differences in people calling back for interviews, right? So again, it, it these are unconscious biases, um, even colleges, right? So you look down to see where that person went to college. They go through a non-traditional training program that somebody doesn't recognize but they recognize harvard or something else not to say that person's quali- more qualified than the other but it just starts there even right. in the harvard process you know right
0: yeah and i mean and power falls into that category of like a non-traditional training process right sure. um so can you talk more about that like um how Especially, I think, for people who may want to enter that industry, but Mm -hmm. maybe they don't don't have the finances for a four-year college, you know, or the time for a four-year college. Like, are there opportunities for people who don't have formal college degrees in tech fields?
1: For sure. Um, I think what is interesting now, what's happening, you see happening more, is that people are, especially in a field like tech, you can get certifications, and kind of work your way up. We just, um, there was an article that we had, one of our partners um, who's on our board, he works at Bank of America, but he didn't have a college degree, but he had certifications and he worked his way up. So, you know, nowadays it's not as common, but in that tech industry, the luxury of that is that you can get experience, you can get certifications, and that's kind of what the trainees in our program come. A lot of them don't have college degrees, but they come into their program And they're able to be placed and starting with 40K, not having a college degree, right? And so that's not the route for everybody, but for the population we serve, there is a place for you in tech if you're able to, because certification base is really big in tech and knowing more of what you're doing and knowing how to work these systems rather than having a four-year college degree.
0: Right, right. We're like, oh, you had to take philosophy and, you know, a bunch of other courses that are valuable in other areas of life, but
1: not necessarily in what gets you paid, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So I think um, that's big. I think also, you know, something else companies can do, we talked about their hiring process, but I think it's even after that too. It's once they're hired, Mm -hmm. when you're hired, that retaining them, is is really big. Um, So I know that's a lot of what um, our company does, works with the companies that our students are placed at to kind of monitor that, How at least for the first couple of months, you know, how are they adjusting to the culture and and different things that you don't think of, you know, they got the job, okay, great. But even the numbers, that disparity of numbers is because sometimes people of color are exiting out of the tech industry once they're in. Yeah. and it can be dependent on so many different reasons, but definitely having those mentors, sponsors, advocates, while they're in these new companies, especially somebody starting, they might not have, you know, professional background, you know, it, it can be an adjustment for them, you know, when they're right. getting to these you know, fortune 500 companies. Um, so yeah. I think that's also something is just kind of figuring out how to retain. So mm-hmm. I think companies need to do, better work with that right because if diversity is a priority
0: right
1: you'll prioritize making sure you have the resources to maintain the, the right. talent. yeah and that's oh man
0: i you know i was talking about this with um with mia torreira who's a guest on my show earlier this month i heard and her
1: it was great
0: <laughs> i think one of the things that resonated with me was when i asked her like what was the hardest challenge about coming out of law school and she mm-hmm. talked about you know the challenge of adjusting to corporate america right and just the idea, and I'm like, I, i've I've been there, you know, um, mm-hmm. just how much of that has actually nothing to do with the actual work itself., yeah. you know, and and how much it has to do with just um, culture and environment and personality and and social norms that can definitely isolate people of color, women, um, immigrants you know, people of certain religious affiliations and then certain, and people of certain financial standing, you know, you know, and so it's, it's like, okay, even when you get in there, it's like, you don't want to feel like the, um, you know, the black sheep (laughs) of the company and and like, feel like that's gonna kind of label you. Yeah, And
1: it's hard. Like, I think you talked about that culture and like, you know, even something simple as, you know, coming to work and saying, oh, you know, what did you do on the weekend? Um, you know, did you go golfing? Like, no, I did not go golfing, right? So like it's just even things like that where again, maybe they're not doing it as to be overt and um, you know, isolating or or feeling or you know, making that person feel ostracized, right? But, but it it it's just, it is something that you have to be mindful of when you're, you know, when you're doing diverse hiring and realizing that everybody's background is not the same. Everybody right. didn't have that luxury of that. So exactly, yeah. I, I, that's that culture fit, you know, it's super, it's, it's a, it's a real thing, you know, and, and we hear it a lot.
0: Yeah. Joanne. is there any other things that you feel like um, can be done to help make, Uh, tech industries more inclusive for women?
1: Yeah, I think the only, I mean, of course, there's a couple of, you know, different things that they can change in practices. But I think one other thing is, you know, now with everybody kind of joining this, let's (laughs) make diversity inclusion a focus, right? Um, diversity and inclusion and leaving out the belonging because you need all three you need diversity yes. inclusion and belonging you don't hear about belonging too often everybody forgets about that yeah that's important wow that's super important the diversity inclusion and belonging like, you can't have diversity inclusion without belonging because that's when you don't retain the talent that you just hired in mm. um and so i think especially for companies that are i guess have this push golden Sachs just had a I think they made, I can't remember the exact number, don't quote me, but it's about $100 million. I think they pledged, or maybe it was $10 million to affect oh, 100 women. I have to I have to look at the stats again, but Goldman Sachs put a big proclamation out there that they were going to do more for black women specifically. They had a whole big report. And so a lot of these companies are doing these grand gestures, which are great on paper. I think because you know my company is doing the work, yeah. our fear is, making sure this is not just lip service and actually putting the work in to do what you're saying. you know. So I think that's something for companies. If you're really trying to make your company more inclusive, it has to be authentically done. It can't just be like, oh, I'm, I'm putting $100 million behind this initiative or I'll give money there. The money is great, but that money is not going to really help you when you're bringing people and then they still feel that there's not really authentic nest behind you wanting to have a diverse company right and so i think that's my fear is you know if these companies are really putting their mouth where their money is
0: yeah 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 hopefully right and i think that it's our job to keep them accountable and to continue to expose it and and bring it out you That's know, like, it. Yeah, like they always have these like diversity surveys and like great place to work surveys that we would have to fill out, right? And it's like yeah. there's a lot of pressure to have these like great diversity scores and inclusiveness scores. And when you're working there and you, you know, in certain places I've been in, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a different picture than what's reported, you know. And I think it has a lot to do with like, okay, yeah, you may have a lot of people of color, but what like What level are all those people? Are they all entry level? Are they they all on the production site? You know, how many managerial and executive level positions do you have? And
1: board. Don't forget about the board. Yes.
0: And (laughs) board, right? Positions do you have people of color and particularly women of color in those fields, right? And like, how do those people who work in here really feel about working here? You know, that belonging piece is a big deal.
1: Huge, huge, huge deal. Like, I, I even know when I, you know, another one of the things on my checklist when I came to Empower was I had never had um, a woman of color as a boss, right? So, my VP right now, she is African American. Nice. Um, she lives in Bedstock, you know, so it's just having that connection. Again, I had great bosses in the past, nothing against them, but it just was different seeing, you know, a, a woman of color as a VP. You know, so I, I just just my relationship with her and everything, it's just it's it's just feels different, you know, but in a good way and a good difference. So it really is important and it does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I wanted to circle back to the conversation we were having, because I think we started it um, about as parents of daughters of black daughters, what
1: can we do to encourage an interest in STEM related fields? Yeah, this is a big one. You did mention it actually before something that I had um, thought um, is a big one for parents is exposure. You had mentioned exposure. And I think that is really at least half the battle, right? Um, having them exposed to these types of options early on and knowing that this could be turning into something that's a viable career. You know, as parents, I know for Kai, I'm like, oh, I want her to learn a- another language. I want her to do music or ballet and anything. That's all great and needed, but in the same way, having that exposure to, you know, it doesn't have to be coding. I know there's so many coding programs and that's sexy and hot right now, Mm -hmm. but but there, you know, there's other um, other STEM program, other STEM activities and projects. You know, she watches a show on Netflix called MC Squared, and it's about girls um, combining science and fashion. So. They have a line um, in Target that you can find and it's like bath bombs, right? That you put, you know, the different powders together and they tell you what they are and then you you make a bath bomb out of them or, you know, different lipsticks and you put it together, you know. So just making it fun for them if they have an interest to that. Right. And right. some kids may not be. But if you do see that and if you see they're interested there's no, it's, it's good to kind of fuel that at this age. So, you know, she likes the, the shows, she likes, you know, seeing the girls and then you go to target, the products are there to do and they position it in a really fun way and package it well, that it piques her interest. Yeah. Um, there's also free STEM camps, um, as well, um, that I know, uh, some parents one of my friends she put her daughter it was like a couple of weeks but it was a free stem camp that they have and they do activities and robotics and different things like that so that's also nice um and I think the last thing is just explaining to sometimes when kids are talking about what do you want to read when you grow up that tech and can be a viable career and it doesn't have to be only you know your mom or your grandparents tech right, it, it, right. it's their social media is, is is big and digital, right? There's so many graphic designer. There's so many different ways you could do um, tech now. Um, and even if you are a nurse, lawyer, teacher, you can combine things, right? There's a cross sectionality between, you know, uh, you can be a, a, a just a technician in a hospital. You don't have to be a nurse or a doctor. So I think there's there's just having that and showing them that it can be a viable career if they so choose, um, because having your parents' support in your career is big. And if more parents are kind of encouraging that, that it's, you know, careers, it's opportunity for advancement. It's flexible and kind of showing the benefits as they get older of why technology could be a career path. Um, There's a lot of open jobs, right? It's it's a pandemic. We're in a, (laughs) our economy is crazy, you know, but we know that technology people are still hiring for that. Right. Yeah. That's so
0: important. You know, it makes me think about, um, an article I read a while back and it was about black women in, in technology. Um, and they one of the things they said is like a, a big reason, well, they said one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of women in STEM related jobs is that even um, that there's a large portion of black women in who studies, uh, let's just say computer programming or mm-hmm. computer science yep. that end up changing their major. Um, so they never actually make it to the end and they listed a lot of reasons they talked about, you know, discrimination practices, even in the college level. Um, But one of the things they said that I thought was interesting is they said that Black women are more likely to go into social sciences, right? Like they're more likely to go into teaching, uh, social work, psychology, fields that revolve around helping people, where they can see a more direct impact. And I thought that was really interesting. I'm like, well, I could totally get that. And I'm like, I wonder if there is a way to show that you can still, you can use your tech degree to still work for, for things that
1: still help people. Does that make sense? That is it. That's it. And that's super big because people don't, it's, it's just bringing awareness to that, right? So you you can find ways to do that. Even if you want to do things um, with community, I, you know, we had one trainee or student was like, Oh, I want to, you know, be able to learn these tech skills so I can go back into my community and, you know, help create a food bank, you know, or, you know, so you can, you can do these things. And I think it's not an either, or, Um, if you have these tech skills that you get, you can use them in different ways. It doesn't say that you have to, use them as you said in tech you know just yeah. having that in your background or in your back pocket makes you more marketable as well Yeah. Right? so even if you're going to a social services role and it's you know maybe a smaller mid-sized nonprofit and you're you know social worker or whatever your job is and you're doing you know helping people if you have those skills you're able to help them launch you know their first website like I mean there's so many things that you can do in it that could just make you more marketable it's almost like a second language push right right that's what it kind of equivalents to now in our society you know
0: yeah oh that's so true it makes me think about there's so many like school districts that I know who's like their processes are still so antiquated and I'm just like, oh my gosh, why isn't this automated? Why can't I do this online? What you know? And I'm like, think about what would it look like to have, to use that to like revolutionize how things are done in like poor performing school districts and to make things more self-service and easier for parents. Like, you know, what would that look like? And um, like, what would it look like for you to build an app that like connects black people to black therapists? You know, or dang, like, you know- dang. Like there's so many ways that you can use tech to, to help people. I think we just have to s- see that. And like you said, like present those options to our kids.
1: That's it. Cause they won't know unless you show them or tell them right. it, or they'll get it when they get older. And by that time they might've already made the decision. So that ex- it just goes back to the exposure of just presenting the options, you know? Yeah. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we wrap up, I wanted to ask what advice, would you give to other black women who want to get into a technology field, or to black women who are in the field and trying to navigate their way?
1: Yeah. I think for me, I, I, I call myself a non-tech techie um, because I you know, mm-hmm. a, I, I do tech adjacent work, right? So right. I'm marketing, but I do a lot of things that obviously take platforms and systems and different things like that. And the company I work with is a tech ish nonprofit. Um, But I think one thing that I found really helpful for me, you know, because I'm still growing in my career was surrounding myself with a tech focused, well, black tech focused communities. And there's so many that exist now um, that I wouldn't have known unless I, you know, obviously was in in this industry now. And I'm kind of more looking for it. It's finding me and I'm finding those kind of communities. But um, there's an organization called Bridges in Tech and they basically just, they have newsletters, they have, you know, virtual happy hours, they, you know, all this online, of course, but they do just these communities um, to support black women in, in tech because they know right. that they're so, yeah, very few and far between. Um, there was a conference I attended today, um, you know, obviously virtually, Uh, by LinkedIn, it was called Transform Her. Um, And basically the chief marketing officer is a woman of color and she spoke there. Um, Some other uh, leaders in tech were there. So just finding those communities that are supporting black women in tech, right? Because it it is a really niche market. Um, There's another one called for Colored Girls Who Tech. So finding these kind of communities that you're able to know about new resources, just feel like you're not alone in this and that right. either you're trying to get into the community and need support and tools and tips and tricks of how to get in, or if you're already in the community and you just want reinforcement that that's where you need to be, it's mm-hmm. helpful, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I would say is taking advantage of free free and cost-effective self-learning platforms. So obviously there's you know programs, like I said, like Empower, there's other programs that do the same, very similar work that are free. But then there's also, you know, self-learning platforms like LinkedIn courses, um, Coursera, uh, General Assembly, Google certifications now have their own type of um, different tech training certifications that you can get from Google, Um, even the public library as well. I took actually coding classes for free at the public library. I'm not going to be a coder, but they offered it and um, I took them and they had some other free uh, technology classes. So I think learning is, is more accessible and mm-hmm. you, know, you can do it easily, you know, wherever you fall, whether you, know, you have a job already and you're trying to just upskill or you're trying to break into tech, those free training courses um, are everything um, and can really put something to put on your resume, knowledge that you can get as you're trying to grow in your career. Um, So I think those are the two, two big ones uh, is taking advantage of those, those resources that are available that are free out there.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you, Joanna. This was awesome. Let's wrap up (laughs) by telling everyone how can we find more information about empower if we either want to register as a student or even donate um, to, to the good work that they're doing there.
1: For sure. So you can go to npower.org. So that's n-p-o-w-e-r.org. And you can, um, There our social handles are on there as well. If you'd like to follow us, um, learn more about our programs, um, find ways to support, monetary or otherwise, um, it's all there.
0: Awesome. This was a great discussion mm-hmm. and this makes me want to go learn something about technology. Yay. I'm really? like, Listen, I'm struggling just to figure out Instagram. So <laughs> I need to go find out what my public library is offering so that I can work this thing out and, and be surprised yeah. what they have there.
1: They have a lot of good, got a lot of good resources and they're free. Yeah.
0: yeah Cause in a minute I'm going to be asking my kids and they're sick. So. <laughs> yeah
1: they know they know yeah. <laughs> well thank you for having me sam this has been great I yes
0: thank that. you thank you and thank you all for listening um please be sure to follow me on social media you can follow me on instagram and facebook at embracing your virtue um, if you like what you're hearing please go to itunes leave me a rating and a comment Check out my website, um, www.embracingyourvirtue.com. You can find my podcast there, my written blogs, and just other helpful resources. And stay tuned in two weeks for our next podcast. Thanks and God bless. Bye.